0: Are you looking for the finishing touch to wash day, a special occasion, or just a play date? Graham Bear has you covered. We offer a wide selection of accessories. You will love our plant-based hair clips and fabric bows, bow ties for daddy and me, and our best-selling turban headbands which are perfect for your mommy and me looks. We're a Canadian-based handmade shop Our products are made to order with love, care, and attention to details. We offer fast local and international shipping. Our accessories are made for making memories in. Visit us at GrahamBear.ca for all your family accessory needs. Follow us on Instagram at GrahamBear to see our products in action, know about promos, and contests. Be sure to use promo code DAPS10. That's D-A-P-S-10. For 10% off your next purchase. You're listening to the Derek Asante podcast, also known as DAPS, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above the average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Eric Asante, and today we're spending some time with a special person. This man has a passion for others. He has a great passion for others' well-being. Um, some of you may not know him. Most of you will. And if you haven't or don't have a clue of who he is, well, then it's your lucky day. Uh, this brother is an author, a husband, a father, a police officer of the law, and a public speaker currently. You know, he exemplifies hard work dedication, what an entrepreneur is, I've asked this brother to join me in a conversation about the importance of having the right mindset and attitude, why he does what he does, and more. Please help me welcome our brother, Jeff A.D. Martin. Welcome. Ooh, what an intro, Derek. Thank you very (laughs) much for having me, man.
1: I really appreciate being on your podcast and just getting a chance to chop it up with you, have a great conversation and just share some knowledge with with some of your listeners,
0: man. It's it, honestly, I I kind of got lost just learning about you. Oh man. <laughs> it, you, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I definitely
1: keep busy. Um, you know, for me though, with everything I do, it's all about trying to help others, trying to help others to step through the difficult circumstances they're going through to recognize their potential, to recognize their brilliance and, you know, just really trying to be the best version of who they could be while they're here on earth. And that's, I believe that's my purpose.
0: Uh, And that's, that really got me excited because I'm, I'm striving every day, um, you know, trying to achieve some of those things. And, and when I heard, you know, when I was officially introduced to you, uh, I just said, okay, let me just do some Googling and, Everything I clicked on, I'm not even exaggerating, everything I clicked on, <laughs> I watched it from start to finish. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. So <laughs> you definitely, that. you definitely have an act for grabbing people's attention and keeping it, you know, so kudos for you for that, because that's, that's a, a skill set that is not, you know, that doesn't come easily for, for the rest of us. But I think you're an exceptional person with that because I watched, I mean, I mean, the Clips from the high school students that you work with, um, to just your solo clips. And then I listened to some of your podcast episodes. Um, like I did, I did all of that. I just couldn't stop. Like I clicked and I'm like, okay, let me and I'm like, okay, okay. I like where this is going. And then the click again. And and I, I literally didn't stop until about 3 a.m. and I started about nine. So you you <laughs> so you 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 know, it's and I just had to, you know, just send it out to a few people that, you know, I think would appreciate and whatnot. But incredible stuff, man. You got some content out there that I think a lot of people need to hear. And and that was more reason why I'm excited about today, because I think people need to hear not just from you, you know, but for you to actually share what it is you do, why you do it. And that's what's going to get them back to your website and your social media and everything else just to you know, get more content because this is not enough, right? Our interview today is just not going to be enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate that very much, man. And again, just always trying to help wherever I can.
0: That's it. So I usually open up with a quote um, and then I want to get your thoughts on, on the quote. Uh, the quote I have for you is, never let fear of a bad hand dealt keep you from playing to win. Mm,
1: yeah, that is so true. That is so true. You know, Derek, we are all born at different phases in life. Some of us are born with parents who have a million dollars. Some of us are born with parents who have nothing. Um, Some are born in, in circumstances that are hard, that are difficult. Others are born in privilege. Regardless of where you are born, regardless of where your starting line is in life, it's so important for us to continue to persevere because there's examples of people every single day who have who have come from difficulties, who have come from the gutter, you know, jail. They've, they've come from poverty, and they've found ways to turn their life around and to to express their life in the highest of forms. And we all get a chance to do that. It's not about how much money you have or, you know, the job you have, the, you know, the, the position you might hold. It's about what you do with what you have, your life. What do you do with it? And we all have the ability to do something amazing and to really make – change and impact in this world. That's it.
0: That's it. Man. I want to dive in about your journey. First of all, who is Jeff? For those listening that don't have a clue who you are, um who is Jeff? How would you describe yourself?
1: I am someone who simply wants to serve to see our community become better. And I do so with everything that I do. I am a two time published author. I'm so blessed to have both books as best selling books. One is a children's book called Brothers from the Six, Sisters from the Six Role Models in My Community, which really centers around showing some positive role models to specifically children in the Toronto, greater Toronto area. And then the second book is called New Me, 10 Men, 10 Stories of Perseverance. And that is about helping men. And really, it's good for anybody to read, but really helping uh, men to step through the difficulties that that we as men sometimes have to go through. Uh, I'm also a public speaker. I've been doing that for the last, Man, uh, it's been about 10 years. Wow. Um, I would say about seven years that I've turned into a business, um, but really, you know, getting a chance to speak to crowds all across North America. Um, you know, I've been blessed even this year, 2021, to, to do interviews virtually in different parts of the world as well. And uh, I run a nonprofit organization as well. And and as you said, you know, working as a police officer, I'm still doing that right now as well. So I have a lot of balls in the air as I juggle, Um, you know, but the truth is we all know that we do this once we live once. And so I think it really is important for us to take advantage of this thing we have called life and, and run with it and see what you can create, see how you can explore, see how you can invent and just really make something of the time that we have here.
0: Man, I'm not even surprised with this, with this information I just got. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Wow. So you mentioned, you know, privilege and other advantages and disadvantages or circumstances that people are, are, you know, enter this world with now paint a picture for me and, and, for the listeners, what was it like for you growing up? Yeah, you know,
1: I grew up in a tough neighborhood. I
0: grew up in a neighborhood
1: that was surrounded by violence and guns and gangs and drugs. Yeah. And I live in a neighborhood where, you know, to be honest, the people that were there just simply want to see the best for their families. You know, yeah. they're hardworking individuals who just want to see their families succeed and do well just want happy, happiness in life. But again, you know, also within that neighborhood was, was some hard times. And so, you know, being in that circumstance was 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 great because I did learn a lot of lessons that I, I've taken with me throughout my entire life. But I recognize as well that when you have people who are raised in, in certain difficult circumstances, it's hard for them to see past the negativity on the block. Right. It's hard for them to see past the drugs and the and the you know, the, the, the problems that they continue to circle around uh, underserved communities. And so you have a lot of people who are filled with potential, but they never reach it. And so, you know, that's the neighborhood that I grew up in. And that's one of the reasons why I do the work that I do, because I really want to see people, especially people who come from neighborhoods like that, who come from families that have been, you know, um, have had difficult circumstances growing up. I I really want to show them that they have potential and they really can do whatever it it is that they want to do.
0: And what was some of the positive or success, you know, moments that you witnessed growing up in in that condition or that that neighborhood?
1: Well, again, you know, as as much as it was, um, you know, there was negativity in that neighborhood there was a lot of families there is a lot of families in neighborhoods like that of people who simply just want the best for their family they want the best for themselves they're seeking happiness and so you know one of the great things about neighborhoods like that is that you can find so many of those type of people that just want the best and and you know it's almost like having you know extra mothers and extra fathers and people looking out for you because everybody again just simply wants the best again so i'd say that's been one of the benefits. Um, and coming up in a neighborhood in a community like that, that everybody just really kind of looks out for each other. And although again, there is negativity, you know, there's other areas as well that that are so positive, you know,
0: that you really yeah. can't trade for anything else. Right. The village raising the child. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. What's your background, by the way, Jeff?
1: Born and raised in Toronto, man. Born and raised in Toronto. Um, Canadian through and through my parents are from the Caribbean, from Jamaica, Um, you know, which, you know, man, I I can't tell you how much I'm so appreciative of just the culture and, 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 and learning so much about that, my family, you know, who's still there as well, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Toronto born and raised.
0: Wow. Man, I'm curious though, with, with the whole profession that you're in law enforcement. Um, it's funny. I had an opportunity to kind of go that route myself, Okay, but I couldn't, I couldn't see beyond the gun Mm. you know what I mean like it it was me it was all me I had an opportunity like the doors were open all I had to do is just show up and and you know write the tests and and do the physicals and I did the physicals and everything but I just psychologically I knew that I wouldn't be at peace knowing that I had a gun so I was like um and I you know politely respectfully kind of declined and and the folks that were kind of you know, guiding me were a little disappointed, but they also appreciated the fact that I was able to decipher that at such, you know, a younger age and and right. not jump into it because of the money or whatever the case might be. Right? Yeah. But I don't know. That was just something that I struggled with. Is that something that you've ever dealt with at some point or, No,
1: no. No, I would say for me, well, first and foremost, I want to say congratulations to you for seeing that because there's a lot of people out there who are in jobs they really shouldn't be in. Yeah. Um, but they just don't know how to walk away. They don't know how to leave. Right. So, you know, I wanna congratulate you for seeing that and make a decision that works best for you. Uh, for me, you know, I would say that that wasn't one of the toughest decisions for me. And what I would say is if somebody's looking into get to looking to get into that job or any job for that matter, I would really recommend you know, that they consider, you know, what that job entails. And is that job going to allow you to be yourself? Right. You know, is it going to allow you to be yourself? And for a while, I assumed that being a police officer, you could not be yourself. You had to be somebody else. <laughs> you, you couldn't represent who you were. And it was along my journey, if I could tell a, a real quick story. You know, I was, you know, in my early or in my late teens, I had my father's car, you know, I was driving down the highway, you know, I thought, I, you know, I had the music pumping. in, you know, I was probably going to McDonald's or something, who knows. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, while I was driving, you know, I was driving a little bit too fast and I ended up getting pulled over. And so when I got pulled over, I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, I'm about to get harassed because with my experience um, with police officers at that time, every time I came into interaction with police officers, I always felt like they were harassing me. Right. And so, you know, at that time, I'm like, here we go. Like, we're going to have a problem. And I looked into my side view mirror waiting for this individual to come out of his police cruiser. And I noticed that it was a black man. And that was huge for me because at that time in my life, I had never seen a black police officer. Wow. And so, you know, that, that really kind of took me back. And, you know, kind of looking at that, you know, I said, OK, well, let's see how this goes. And so he came to my car and he said, talk street slang. And I'm like, hold on, hold on a second. Like, you can actually be yourself. Like, you can do that. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I got a chance to talk to him and have a good conversation and learn that, you know, you can be yourself. And the reason why I share that story is because representation matters. It really does. And when you can see yourself doing something, then it really is a game changer for you. And I I share that because one of the things that I love to do, particularly with youth, is to show them examples of people who are like them, who are doing amazing things. And, you know, these people are from their neighborhoods or from their block. And it, it gives these kids an opportunity to say, oh, okay, well, if this person is doing it and they resemble me, then I can do it as well. And so, you know, representation matters is really important to show our children, especially kids who come from tougher neighborhoods, to show them that, you know, there's people out there who are doctors, lawyers, you know, dentists, entrepreneurs,
0: and they're from your neighborhood. And because they're succeeding, you can succeed as well. And, you know, it's crazy because I definitely relate to that as far as, you know, growing up, not seeing too many, but I was fortunate enough to have a handful of gentlemen that were doing everything they wanted to do, and they were positive role models. Mm, you love know? that. And, I, yeah. and to this day, you know, I'm, I'm I'm 40, 41, and I have two kids. You know, I got a family of my own, but I still make sure I reach out to those very gentlemen and I, I, and I give them their flowers and let them know, thank you for yes. being there. And so to this day, we have a strong relationship because of that. And I've yes. never forgotten them, you know? And I think that's very important that you say that because... I can only imagine if all my peers had that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or even in schools, we have somebody like you come in to share your story and and you look like me.
1: Yeah, it's so huge. You know, we don't we don't really know. Like growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. Why? Why did Jeff? Why did you want to be? Actually, specifically, I wanted to be a doctor who delivered babies. Right. Why is that? Because I used to watch the Cosby show and on the Cosby show, you had a positive male role model at that time on TV who was delivering babies. And that's exactly what I wanted to do, because I could see myself in that figure, in that person, in that character. And, you know, again, if we are able to show our kids examples of people who resemble them. Um, speak like them they're from their neighborhoods. It, again, it doesn't even have to be the you know the same color or background just someone that you can see yourself in right then it allows you to to now picture yourself in their shoes right the so representation matters and it, it's 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 so important. it's huge
0: what it what, is was it that experience that encounter with that officer that intrigued your interest in in pursuing um, law enforcement or something else?
1: Yeah, you know, that was one of the main things I would say. Um, and then, you know, another thing as well, again, growing up and seeing police all the time, because I grew up in a tough neighborhood, oftentimes we did see the police. It always felt like they were being, we were being harassed, we were being picked on. But I remember thinking to myself, imagine if somebody had the type of power that these police officers had, but they actually used it to help the community grow. Right. And if they were able to use it to do that and not to harass us, how I felt at the time, then, you know, who knows how far we as kids could have went. We had that person, that authority figure who actually believed in us. And so it was, I would say, a combination of those two things that really made me say, you know, I think this might be a place and a way to go. Uh, At that time, I believed that you needed to have a title to make a difference you need to have some type of um you know I, again some type of title or some type of you know job to, to say okay this is what i'm going to use to make a difference right of course now i'm older i know better you don't need to be a police officer you can be the person who is that crosswalk um individual you can be that 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 greeter at that grocery store you know regardless of where you are in life you can make a difference and that's what i've, I've realized um for many years now
0: look at that look at that Now, is there is there two things you can share? I'm just really curious because then I'll move on because I'm just really curious about that profession because I got I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work alongside some officers. Um, I was you know, I spent, what, two years in uh, at uh, headquarters with TPS and. And I worked alongside the community mobilization unit, which was awesome. Okay. And so and that's where obviously the opportunity presented itself, right? Yeah. Now I've met some really, really, really cool officers. And so I, I want you to share two things that most people may not even think about that's awesome about being an officer. That you appreciate. Yeah, so-
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is when people think about police officers, they think about the cruiser. They think about being pulled over because normally that is the interaction that the average person will have is being pulled over and getting a ticket. But, you know, what they don't experience is that every day the officer goes out there, they are making a difference in one way or the other. And so, you know, police are called when people are having a tough time. You know, whether it be that they are a victim of a crime, whether it be, you know, their, their house got broken into, mm-hmm. um, they've been assaulted or sexually assaulted, police are called. And so police go into those circumstances, um, you know, they, let's, let's say even, you know, gunshots are, are taking place and everybody's running in one direction. Police are the only ones that will run into it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, becoming a police officer has really built up that resilience you know, of course, as a human being, there's still fears that I have. But, you know, I, I promise you, you know, I have a, a, a keener sense of wanting to help people because I recognize that everybody is, in some way, form or fashion is going through something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's, it's allowed me to kind of open up my eyes to say, OK, um, everybody is kind of going through something. And, you know, it also allows me to know that, you know, re- regardless of where you are, you can make a difference no matter what job you're doing. Um, you know you really can make an impact in this world, wow,
0: and then you've been you've been in that I mean, have you moved around as far as positions?
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah, so yeah, it's been sixteen years or so, wow, and um, yeah, I've worked in various uh, areas, starting off from driving around in a cruiser and then moving on and doing some detective work i've I've worked on homicides. I've worked wow. on I spent a, a good five years working on sexual assaults and uh, physical assaults on children, which is really, you know, it it can be very heavy, of course, uh, in terms of the type of work. Um, But it was fulfilling to know that I was able to help some of these people going through some of the difficult times. So, uh, yeah, I've got a chance to work on a whole range of different things. I don't know if there's a crime out there that I haven't worked on. And,
0: um, yeah, it's definitely been interesting, to say the least. My gosh, thank you for sharing that. Now, (laughs) now, if someone's listening today and... um, you know they're thinking about it, or they're on their fence, or they're in you know police um, academy school right now, or they're a security guard, but they're working their way to become an officer. What advice can you give them? Um, you know, uh, on their journey to pursuing this this career.
1: Yeah, you know what I would say is regardless if it's this or anything else, whatever it might be, make sure that it aligns with your values. Make sure that it's something that you are okay with because you know ultimately your your job that you work at is, is something you could be doing for the next 30 years or so and you want to make sure that it's something that's going to make you happy I, I think you know we can always find fulfillment in life and finding that fulfillment at your job is not always going to be there so um whatever it is that you do make sure that it aligns with your values and then never forget who you are as well when you go into to uh different um Jobs or, or different areas. There's always uh, a community, and so communities operate differently, right? So there's a policing community. The, the neighborhood you live in—that's a community. Uh, Canada is its own community. It's its own culture, and where whatever community or culture you go into, you tend to want to submerge in it because you want to be able to get along with everybody. So you want to make sure that that culture aligns with who you are, your values. Um, your attributes, the things that you you really take, um, that you, you think highly of uh, in this world. Because again, if you're going to spend that much time in that area, then you want to make sure that that culture reflects who you are.
0: Awesome. Now I want to transition. Thank you for talking about that profession. Cause I know you're a man of many hats, so I got to kind of break it down. And- <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, before I go on to the, the, the book writing and the author, um, do me a favor i'm not sure if your mic is touching something as you're speaking it's almost like a paper that sound ah,
1: okay okay is that better
0: yeah okay good awesome um so <clears throat> now you've spoken to over 50 schools and counting that's oh, just yeah that's just what i've been able to pull pull up that was listed because I don't think you had enough space on the site to actually. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's end counting because there's no way based on what was there that I, I, you know, I got a privilege of seeing that it's, that's just it. It's, it can't be. Um, and so what, first of all, how did you end up doing that and what, what kind of made you decide, you know what, I'm going to get into, um, you know, public speaking and motivational um, and picking people up. Like, how did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, Derek, you know, I got to say I'm I'm super blessed. 2020 uh, was really difficult in a lot of ways, including for speakers when everything shut down. Yeah. And it was a tough time. And, and, you know, I'm a guy who loves to go out there and speak to people in person. Mm -hmm. 2021 um, really turned things around with everybody going virtual. I have done over 100 presentations between January 1st and today. Wow. And so, so yeah, so you mentioned 50 schools. Um, I, I've done over a hundred presentations uh, in this, you know, in this first quarter alone. So it's definitely a lot more than 50. I've definitely lost wow. count, um, but I'm, I'm blessed with every opportunity. I, I really am and, and grateful, humbled and grateful. Um, to go back to your question, why I came down this path. So, um, the year that I got hired as a police officer, as I mentioned, growing up in a tough community, you know, I, I always want to say, I, I wanted I wanted to make a difference in my community. And I thought maybe being a police officer was the way to go um, because I can use the badge, I can use a uniform to make a difference with the community, with young people. And the year that I got hired as a police officer, I consider that the best year of my life. But just 15 days later, something took place that, that really made it the worst year of my life. Wow. So... Uh, 15 days after, after graduating from police college, I was at home. It was a Monday morning. I woke up uh, to get ready to go to work, and I looked at my cell phone, and I saw that I had 25 missed phone calls that came in throughout the night. Oh, no. And so I ended up going through, and I saw that it was a, a cousin or cousins of mine that were calling me. I ended up calling one of my cousins back, and she was crying on the phone. And I was like, cuz, what's going on? And she was trying to explain what was happening, but she just continued to cry. She couldn't get the words out. And finally, she was able to to cut her tears and, and, and get the words in. And she was able to tell me that my cousin Omar was shot and killed. And so here I was in the circumstance of being a police officer, promising I would protect and serve. But the other half of me because of the pain and the struggle and seeing, you know, the pain in the eyes of my family. And I couldn't take that away. The other half of me wanted to go out there and handle my business. And it was a struggle that I had gone through for quite a while because again, knowing that my cousin who was like a little brother to me, to be honest, you know, I taught him about school um, I taught him about basketball. I taught him how to pick up women. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> uh, and so you know, it was a real struggle for me to, to lose my cousin. Um, again, who was like my little brother. And it was through that circumstance that I had a conversation with someone that really taught me that as human beings, we're always going to put out energy, but it's up to us how we are going to use that energy. Are we going to use it and do something negative or are we going to do use it to make a difference in this world? And it was through that circumstance, as difficult as it was, it was through that, difficult, that, that circumstance that I was able to learn that I can use my power, my energy to do something amazing in this world. And so since then, I have been on a mission. I go you know, I'll speak to anyone, any youth, but particularly I love going into some of these tougher schools, these harder neighborhoods, because I want these kids to understand that there's more to them and to their life than the negativity that surrounds them, the negativity that's in their household, the drugs that's on their block, um, the gang violence that surrounds their block. You know, they can't cross the street because that's a rival gang. I want them to know that there's so much more to life. And so I developed into this speaker, this person who's really trying to make a difference and an influence on, on people because I want our young people to recognize that they don't have to go down the route of doing something negative, of taking somebody's life, of dropping out of school, of you know becoming pregnant at an early age because you're missing love at home. You know, I really want to try to make that impact. And so that is what has me on the path I'm on today, really just trying to make that difference and show these kids that... You do not have to walk down this negative path. You can use the life that you have to make a difference. Wow.
0: That's why I'm doing what I do. Man. I I wasn't expecting that, but I appreciate it so much more that, that yeah. you shared that, man. Yeah, not not a problem, man. I, I appreciate you asking. Wow. That's... <clears throat> I can only imagine, man, to go through that. That's... Oh.
1: Yeah, you know... It, Again, it's, it's been some years now, and of course, you know, when you when you have a family member you've lost, you never forget it. You never, you know, forget the pain of what it was like to lose them in that moment. Yeah. You know, however, again, as I mentioned, you know, we all go through difficult circumstances. You know, the, the, the book that I spoke about earlier, New Me, yeah. it's myself and nine other guys, so 10 of us in total all wrote a chapter. And my chapter is called The Ugly Gift. And it's called the ugly gift because in life, we are going to get handed things that we don't ask for. If you get a birthday gift or a Christmas gift, you love that. It's a gift. But sometimes we get handed ugly gifts. We get handed, you know, car accidents. Um, illnesses, COVID-19, social distancing, right? Like We get handed these things that we don't ask for. But I believe that even in the darkest of circumstances that we go through, there's always a silver lining. There's always a blessing. There's always a talent or something that we can take from that difficulty. But it's up to us to find it. It's up to us to look look for it. And then when we find it, we can learn from that. We can teach it to other people. We can stand on that platform and speak about it and really help somebody else who's going through it as well. And and I think it's so important that we do that because I believe that the problems you've been through, Derek, the problems that all of us have been through and they're all going to be different. Once you have gone through them, you've learned the lessons from them. You now have the key to somebody else's lock and you're able to help them to get through exactly what you were going through when you had that issue.
0: That's, that's a lot of power.
1: It, yeah, it, it is. And that's, I think, you know, if we can recognize it in every difficult circumstance, it's there. If we can recognize it and ask ourselves, what am I here to learn in the difficulty? I keep saying that through 2020. I'm like, what am I here to learn? Like, what, right. what's with all this mess that's going on, the racial unrest and, and COVID-19, what am I supposed to learn? How do I come out of this stronger? What, what, what can I use from this to help others? If we can go into a difficult problem thinking that that I believe it really can change um, how we look at things and how we come out of that difficulty afterwards.
0: Man, Uh, for the listeners, if you just tuned in, um, we're having a a great conversation with Jeff. And now he just said something that really, really, you know, hit me. And what you said was, when you go through something difficult, you now have the key to someone else's lock. Absolutely. that's incredible. Like I've never heard that before and it makes sense because it's 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 true. Now the other yeah. side of it too that really hit me is the fact that now I think people need to recognize how much power and influence they actually have after going through something you know challenging.
1: Yes, you know, as yes, far as they far really as, do. Yeah,
0: like you you have now the power to literally shape and mold someone else's perspective and and, and outcome. Because they really they, do. And that's that's what's blowing my mind right now, because I didn't realize that, you know, we have these keys, but we always looked at looked at ourselves from a deficit perspective. And and therefore we can't see that we have a key. Right.
1: Yes. It's a woe is me type feel. Right. And listen, I'm not here to judge anybody because, you know, I know what pain feels like. I've been through it. There's a ton of things that, you know, we won't even get a chance to, to talk about on this podcast. We'll be here for four hours. Um, but ideally, you know, I'm not like any, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as everybody else. Like I, I've had problems. I continue yeah. to have problems that I, that I face and continue to face. Uh, but again, you know, as we go through these things, if we can ask ourselves the right question, what am I here to learn Then we can now start thinking about or start pulling out the lessons, start pulling out the blessings, the silver linings, the talents, the things that are within these difficult circumstances that can help us. And then as we just talked about. You now can share that with others, because if, if you, you know, Derek, I get a chance to speak to uh, men who are in jail, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we've been doing uh, quite a few virtual talks. And, you know, I tell these guys, the decisions that you made yesterday will dictate where you are today, have dictated where you are today. So that means that the decisions you make today will dictate where you are tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and that's literal for them, you know, sitting in jail versus making a decision that they're going to change their life. Right. And so, you know, if, if we can kind of recognize again that as we go through difficulties in life. Um, we are able to use it. We can now speak on that platform. Those guys who are in jail, they can speak on a platform that I'll never be able to speak from. Right. They can speak about something, you know, and, and with experience that I can never touch. Yeah. And so they now have the key to somebody else's lock. Another young person who's coming out of jail, who is about to go to jail, who they can probably talk out of that type of negative lifestyle, they have the ability to do so. So, yes, they do have the key to somebody else's lock.
0: Wow. When when was that moment for you when you realized I have a gift for actually impacting and you know uh, making the change in people? Um, like, did you have a conversation with somebody and they came back and said to you, "Thank you um, for your words or just your energy"? And like, when did you have that moment?
1: You know, I, I would say like I've always had the the the, the love of helping people. And I really do believe I get it from my parents, but more specifically, my father, he's always someone who's just always, since I've been growing up, you know, always wanted to help people. For me, I've always wanted to help people in so many different ways. But with public speaking, the the, uh, motivational speaking piece, I would say, I always kind of say that motivational speaking found me. I one day said to myself, I'm a police officer, you know, I'm a black man, I can make an influence with some of these young kids who are going down the wrong path. You know, what's my next step? How do I kind of reach those kids? And so I reached out to a couple of schools and a school was like, yeah, I'd love to have you come on down. And so I stood in front of these kids. I had this plan in my head of how my talk was going to go, the things I was going to talk about. I was going to wow them. I was going to get, you know, they're going to give me a standing ovation. I had this real, you know, big dream in my head of how it was going to go. I went up there and it was horrible, it fell apart, I stuttered, I you know, I, I forgot parts, it was a mess. <laughs> but at the end of it, a couple of students still came to me and they said, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story, that was real. And it was at that moment I said, hmm, okay, well maybe I do have something here. Right. And so I continued down that path of really learning to mold my speech, create it into something, learning the bits and pieces that you, you can use to really make an impactful speech And that's how I got to where I am today. So my goal was never to be on, go on stage and be a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. My goal was just to help people and motivational speaking found me.
0: That's incredible. Now it's funny because a lot of people, you know, in my past I've spoken to never really gave credit to motivational, you know, um, speakers. Yeah. And, and I want you to really shatter that for me today for them as well. Um, Because to me, it's an art form, like in in any other art form, and you have to put time in. So please, how much work really goes in to you preparing um, to go and, you know, visit and have that impact on people's lives? Because I don't want you to leave anything out. Like, I want you to really... Give them the nitty gritty because I don't want anybody listening, thinking, oh, he's just a motivational speaker and it's easy. You just got to stand up there similar to an artist singing or whatever and and, you know, water it down because I know that's right. not what it is. So, yeah,
1: so <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you even said an artist singing because an artist and, and that's the thing. People think that there is, you know, overnight success. Right uh, there is no overnight success that person who who finally broke out on the radio with their, that song being played, they have been practicing for, you know, how many years they have sung that song a thousand times before you actually heard it for the first time. They have put in so much work and it's the same thing as a speaker. You know, if you're really looking to develop in this area, it's all about the the repetition, the years you put in, uh, the, the, you know, really investing in yourself early on. I took courses. I, I did, uh, you know, certain things to to really understand the concept of public speaking. And, you know, even just last summer, I took a, whole, a course, an online course with Harvard University, again, just looking to continue to, to widen my understanding of public speaking, because I don't just want to, you know, go up there and wow people. Like, I want to be a student of the game. And... You know, people talk about public speaking and, you know, or, or motivational speaking and say, you know, I don't believe in them, you know, because it's just motivation doesn't last. And I get it. Motivation does not last. Like if I give you a speech, you're going to be all pumped up and within two days, you're going to go back to your normal, your normal self. So I get it. Yes. Motivational speaking or motivational type talks, they do not last. But neither just brushing your teeth. Yeah. Right. Neither does taking a bath. Mm-hmm. It's something you have to do frequently every single day and my goal is never to, to speak to you and make you make you walk away saying, oh, well that felt good and you know that felt like butterflies and rainbows and, you know <laughs> i feel i feel so inspired <laughs> like my my goal is not to inspire you my 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 goal is to move your soul That's my a- goal is to move you in a way that when you leave there you say i must take action like, I must take action. It's on the backs of my children. It's on the backs of my mother. It's on the back of the fact that, you know, I don't know when I'm going to leave this earth, and so my time is counting over my head somewhere, so I need to do action or take action now. That is always my goal, to to move somebody to, to do the thing that they need to do. So you know to really get to that point again it's repetition it's it's building your stories it's understanding the cres- the, sh- the crescendos and the you know the ebb and flows of stories it's understanding speech in terms of getting loud at some t- at some points getting quiet at other points it's about you know description in certain times it's about speeding up your cadence and slowing it down at other times it really is an art form to public speaking if you're going to be an effective public speaker if you're looking to be an informational speaker, like a teacher, then you can speak any which way. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, the child needs to listen to get that great. Right. <laughs> but if you're looking to be a motivational speaker, then there's so many pieces that you really want to look at to, to really enhance how you share your story. And I'll be honest there. The reason why I go hard on this and every single speech, whether it's one or one thousand, the reason why I go hard on this, because... I know that sitting in that audience, whether it be virtual or in real life, mm-hmm. sitting in that audience is a person who's listening to me. And I may be the last reasonable voice that they hear before they go off and do that, they do that thing. And I know it for a fact because I've had people come to me. I had this one man come to me, Derek, and say, Jeff, you know, I really want to talk to you. And he told me about how he was sexually assaulted by his stepfather for so many years. And his goal was to once, you know, he finished speaking to someone and he's lucky that he got me. But once he finished speaking to someone, he was going to go and take his own life. Wow. And so I know that when I stand on stage, I picture people like that because I know they are there. Yeah. I've had other people who've told me they've stopped cutting their wrists, you know, self-harming yeah. because of the words I said. And so, again, that, that's just the ones who have come up to me. There's people, There's thousands who have not come up to me. Right. right. And, and so, again, you know, I, I'm not here to play. I don't think public speaking or motivational speaking is a thing you play with. Because again, we're talking about life and death for some people. And if you don't say the right words at the right time to that right individual, it really could be the end of their life. And so for me, I I take it extremely serious. Um, I studied, I'm a student of the game. Um, If you are a speaker, I've I've probably studied you because I really want to know what you're doing, what you're doing effectively, how you are doing it, and perhaps how I can use certain things that you have used to make
0: my own speeches better. Right. Oh man, I appreciate it. You see, you, you stressed, you stressed, you stressed it twice. You said it twice. You're a student of the game. And I think I want people to remember that because a lot of people right now, 2021 are cutting, trying to find shortcuts to either generate money or, yes. or get through what it is. They think it's their side hustle and things like that. And I feel like when you're not a student of whatever it is you're getting into, you're selling yourself short. Yes. Right. Because now there's a lot of nuances that go into every genre, every field that you're not respecting. And when you get there, you're going to get blindsided. Yes. You know, then you just quit. So I appreciate you stressing that because and the other thing that you also mentioned was that you're a life learner, not in those words, but you're constantly bettering yourself. Yes. You know, and and for those listening, I want you to keep that in mind because it's like he said, overnight success is not a thing. It's not a real thing. Correct. You don't see what's in the backdrop, right? You don't see that. You don't see the director's cuts and all those things and what happens when people are getting cussed out because it's not the way they want it. And he's looking in the mirror and and prepping himself and doing all all that stuff. All you're seeing is the finished work, the finished piece, you know?
1: Yeah absolutely. Like, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I, I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm speaking quite a bit. And, you know, I still have a lot of work to do in terms of improving and, and doing things, you know, and I recognize that, And you know, that's fine. It's a part of the, the, the process, but, you know, I wish sometimes these people who look at me and think, Oh, Jeff, you have all the success. You know, I wish they could see when I walked into schools and they're like, Oh, we forgot you're coming today. Okay. Well, I know you're supposed to have an hour but we're going to give you 15 minutes. Right. right. Or, or, you know, you're talking and the, the, um, the, the school announcements go in, you know, start speaking over you, yep. you know, while you're trying to talk to this crowd. Um, or I had one time I was speaking to this group, this class, and I had, you know, this guy, his cell phone rang and in the middle of the class, he answered it and started to have a full out conversation. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, there's, you know, there's things that have that I've had to go through. You know, a school that said they're gonna they're gonna pay me, and it's been I don't know five years now, and I'm still yet to get that paycheck. You know, yeah. there's there's so many um, things that you have to learn along the process, and so yes, it is definitely not an overnight thing. I am now where I am because I decided that it's not about the money for me. Right. It's it's
0: about helping people, and the money has followed. That's another thing, right? Um, and I try and tell people that too. Um, don't chase the money, right? Do what you love and the money will start to chase you. Yes. Right. Be authentic about it though. Cause you can't, you can't fake that. Like <laughs> when you right. fake it, the money knows that you're faking it and it ain't coming. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a law of attraction. You just got to do what you love, be honest with yourself about it. And I think the money will always come. Um, I agree. Now I want to, I want to ask you about the Inspire Legacy Company Online Academy, yeah. How did that come about? So,
1: you know, again, for me, I'm always trying to reach as many people as I can in so many different ways. And so I recognize that some people, you know, will never read a book where other people's, people will. And so I wrote a book for those who will read, you know, I did a podcast for those who love podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I do videos online on, on Instagram and, and YouTube because there's certain people who like that. And then the online academy is just there for, again, another audience who wants to learn the art of public speaking. And so, you know, right now I have a couple of courses that are set up, the um, the one for public speaking, because I think it's important that I share the skills that I have for others to go out there and make a difference as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to help to mold their story, uh, help them to mold their story and create it into something that's like an edge of your seat um, type of um, circumstance for people. And then also with the, uh, the other course, it's... Um, a student curriculum course that I really want to help to build up student uh, student character, uh, student leadership, and help our kids at a younger age to to become the best version of them. And so that's another course that I have on the uh, on the platform, Inspire Legacy.
0: Wow. And how long did it take you before you came to actually getting it up and running?
1: yeah uh you know I, I would say well to be honest with you i'd say from the beginning of me speaking right you know i, I think everything's just kind of developed from there like seeds have been planted for things i'll do 10 years from now and sometimes it just takes time for you to get to 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 that thing that you really want to do um but i would say you know within the last year and a half i thought to myself i want to do something to to build out uh, the brand and again to help other people in another way and so you know i can go to a school and give a a talk and leave these kids, you know, feeling great and wanting to, to do better in school. But as I spoke about, you know, two or three days later, you know, that feeling might go away. And so I created the the online student program because I want teachers to sign up so they can now keep the talks going. So once I leave there, they see the videos they're like, oh, that's my guy, Jeff. He was here two days ago. Right. And, you know, they can continue on with the same type of conversation, speaking about leadership, uh, speaking about, you know, your unique self, speaking about helping the community, uh, putting others before you, serving you know, and all of the other topics that are covered. So that's kind of why,
0: you know, I, I developed that. Oh, man, that's awesome. So I, I got the privilege of listening to one of your episodes and you told an incredible story, and I'm hoping you can share that with us today. Um, the story of the two boys on the frozen pond. You remember that story?
1: I Yeah, uh, vaguely. Yes, my my stories have have <laughs> changed over the last while just because I
0: continue to find new uh, material. But yes, I do remember that story. Oh, if you don't mind sharing that, I think I, that hit me really, really in a in a really south great place actually. And so I'm hoping that it'll have the same impact on those who um, get to listen to this podcast. If you don't mind sharing that story with us, I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's this, these two young boys who are walking in the winter and they're walking on the ice. The ice is frozen over. And as they're walking, they think everything is good. And as they're walking, they start to hear cracks in the ice and the ice gives way. And one of the boys ends up falling into the ice. And this water water is absolutely frigid. The boy who's left on top of the ice, he's looking around for help. He's calling for help, but there's nobody around. And so he recognizes that he's the one that has to do something to save his friend. And so he runs over to the closest tree, he pulls off one of the biggest branches he could find, he drags the branch over, he puts it into the water, so his friend who is in the water can can jump on that branch and he can pull him out, and that's exactly what he does. Eventually the ambulance comes and people in the neighborhood, they recognize it as a problem. They all run over to see what's going on. And one of the people say, oh my goodness, like how was this young man, like as young as he is, how was he able to pull that big branch off the tree and put it into the water and save his friend? Like how was he able to do that? And there's another person that's there and they start to laugh. And they're like, why are you laughing? They're like They said, you know, you're asking how he was able to do that. And they said, yeah. And the man said, because there's nobody here to tell him that he couldn't. And that's just a powerful story because we oftentimes will get the, 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 the images, we'll get the stories, we'll get the thoughts of some of our friends and family who will tell us that we can't achieve at certain things. And so we sit here thinking that I cannot do this because I'm a man. I cannot do this because I'm black. I cannot do this because, you know, I'm I'm this religion. We find all these excuses of why we can't do things because we allow other people to tell us that we can't. And we need to recognize that there's nothing that we're not able to do. We have to be able to say to ourselves, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. This is the plan A. There is no plan B. And go after it. And, you know, even as I'm sharing that story about the two boys on the ice, it reminds me, you know, they talk about the honeybee. The honeybee, based on the size of the bee and based on the size of the wings, scientists say that that bee is not supposed to be able to fly. Like aerodynamically, it's not supposed to be able to fly. They say the scientists know it. They say that, you know, people who understand bugs, they know it. But the only one that doesn't know it is the bee. Wow. The bee just simply does what it's supposed to do. And if we just do what we are supposed to do and not allow other people's voice to become our voices, then there's nothing that can stop us in this world. You can be that next president of the United States. You can be that next prime minister of Canada. You can open that that business. You can become that CEO. You can start, you know, you can be the entrepreneur. Whatever it is that you choose to do, not someone else chooses what you choose to do, you are able to do it provided that you believe in who you are and you don't
0: allow somebody else's voice to step in and become your voice. Wow. Thank you, man. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but I, I had to play that, that clip. I listened to that story four times. Wow. Oh, man, I, that's I, amazing. I, because every time I heard it, something else came across. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. never the same feeling, right? And, and that's why I got stuck on it, because... I realized that we'd listen to a lot of external voices, even the internal ones. Yes, we do. Right? That 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 isn't our voice. Yes. Right? And and that's that voice of fear and doubt and uncertainty. But the question becomes where does it come from? Because as I look at my two year old son, he's doing things that I'm like, shoot, okay, that's I can go south, but why am I thinking that? Yes. Yes. Right. He has no sense of fear until I tell him, hey, you should be afraid of this.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: You know, so, absolutely. So that's why I was on loop with that, because I kept listening to him thinking, wait a minute, how am I parenting? How am I? How did I grow up? How what did I hear? And so I I start to self-reflect. Mm. Every time I heard it, I heard something different that I've gone through or I'm witnessing or, you know, and that's why I appreciate it so much. And, and thank you again for even, you know, saying, yes, you'll do it. And you did it and you knocked it out. I loved it. I love that story. Oh, oh man. <laughs> man. Yeah,
1: no, I, I'm glad I could share. And you're absolutely right. You know, a funny story I share is um, I have a niece and many years ago when she was about three or four, she came to me. And she's like, uncle, you know, I got three things I want to be when I grow up. I'm like, OK, what you got? And she's like, first, I'm going to be a doctor next I'm going to be I'm going to be a judge. I'm like, "Okay, that's awesome, fantastic." And she's like, "The third one, I'm going to be a fire hydrant." And I was like, "Okay. <laughs> all right, you 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 become the best fire hydrant you can be." <laughs> and I share that, I share that because as you just talked about as children, they go ahead and they don't have any fear. Right. Children will dream whatever they dream. Like you give a child a pencil. And what does that become? It's no longer just a pencil. That's it's right. a rocket ship. It's a magic wand. It's a race car. It's all of these things. Yeah. But as we get older, we start to learn about fear. That's we start it. to be given doubt. We start to learn about these things. And it adjusts who we are. And that pencil as an adult just becomes a pencil. That's it. And, you know, because we could dream as children, that means it's still within us, mm-hmm. right? But as adults, we say, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not creative. I can't do this. I can't do that. Right. But it's through creativity, you know, we've enjoyed things based on people's creativity. That's it. It, you know, it's, it's, it's through creativity that created your favorite song, mm-hmm. through creativity and vulnerability that created your favorite movie. And if that person wasn't creative, they would not have made that thing that, you know, that you can't stop watching because you absolutely love it. Yeah. And so we all have that creativity within us, but it's about finding it again and then using it to can
0: enhance your life and enhance the life of people around you. Wow. It's so true, though. It's it's absolutely true. My goodness. Now, you've written the two books you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. Um, Brothers from the Six and Sisters from the Six. What what inspired those so
1: when I get a chance to go out and I speak to some of these kids and I say, what is it that you want to do when you get older? Oftentimes I hear the same thing. I want to be the next LeBron James. I want to be Steph Curry. I want to be a YouTuber. And because that's what they see, that's what they're used to. Right. And, you know, kudos to them if they can do it. You know, give me, give me some tickets. I want to be in the front row if you can make it to the NBA. Right. But the truth is, is that most of us will not make it there. And so I I wrote the book because I have illustrated in it some amazing role models from the greater Toronto area. And so I want our children to recognize that we do have doctors and lawyers and judges who are from your neighborhood who have done amazing things, who continue to change the world. But they just don't get the TV status. They don't get the YouTube status, the online status that a basketball player or a rapper would. And so, you know, I want to show them some great role models doing some amazing things because I want to show them that they can strive to be just like that. They can strive to be better. And so that's why I wrote that book. That was the inspiration for that book.
0: Wow. And now since we're on the books, I want you to just let the people know where they can get a copy of this book Um, because I don't want to forget that, you know, they exist. I know they exist, but I want you to tell them where is the best place for them to get it.
1: Yeah, hit me up on my website, jeffadmartin.com. You can find it there, jeffadmartin.com.
0: Perfect. Now, the third book, or, you know, the, the, the one with you and the other nine gentlemen, um, how did the idea even, you know, come about? Like, how, how, first of all, who spearheaded the idea? It was me. I
1: spearheaded the idea. Okay. The idea came to me at four in the morning when I got up to use the washroom, like most of my ideas do. Uh, you know, when I'm, I'm I'm half dreaming and half awake, I find that that state there is where a lot of people's ideas come from. So pay attention for those of you who are uh, you know you get in the middle of night to use the washroom like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where a lot of dreams come from. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it, I, I sat back and thought, you know, I'm making a difference, you know, an impact with what I'm doing, but how great would it be if I got some other guys who were doing the same and we almost came together like the Avengers, you know what I mean? We all have nice. our, our special skills. Yeah. And if we come together, we can make such a bigger impact. And so, you know, I decided that this is what I wanted to do to create a book that we can I can find nine other guys to come together, guys who are doing great things in the community on their own, but then allow our voices to be heard through the book to share some of our stories to help others. And the reason why I did the book this way, not just me being an author, but having 10 of us in total, is because when you read the book, you may not like my story, but you may love another story or vice versa. And so because we all come from different walks of life, there's a good chance you're going to relate to one or two or nine of the stories that are in the book um, because it, it, it reminds you of you, reminds you of your own circumstances. And so that's why the book was written that way, because I really want to make the biggest impact to the readers to let them understand that in life things happen and we are going to fall down. But what's important is how you get back up. And those are the rules and the lessons we talk about in the book, how we get back up after difficult circumstances. Wow. Now, are you guys all friends? Yeah. You know, we're acquaintances and friends. I'm the one who brought everybody together. So my, most of the guys didn't even know of each other before I brought them together, but I see great relationships flourishing within them now. And um, again, everybody comes with their own individual stories. So again, just the different walks of life really makes it impactful. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's it's great just to know that I can depend on a bunch of guys to to put their stories together, to be open, to be vulnerable, even though at times the story might have been scary for them, it might be embarrassing, they recognized that bigger purpose was to help others. And so they were willing to be vulnerable, especially as men. Men oftentimes don't want to be vulnerable, right. but they were willing to be vulnerable to share their stories to help heal somebody else.
0: Man, that's so powerful. It, it, it's funny because, you know, the narrative um, that's out there is that as black people, we can't come together. Yeah,
1: You know, I, I, I hear that and, and that bothers me. It, it bothers, bothers me, me. too. <laughs> yes. When we say things like that, like they say, you know, if you think you can or you think you can't you're right.
0: That's right.
1: And it's the same thing. If you think that black people don't come together, then you're right. Or if you think black people do come together, then you're right. Because there's so many great black organizations that have come together. Um, Again, me as a nonprofit organization, we have partnered with other black organizations to make a difference in our community. So when you say, when people say, you know, black people do not come together, you know, there's examples of people coming together every single day, but they choose not to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now the nonprofit, what's, is it, that's not the Academy, right? No, no. The nonprofit is called brothers from the six. Ah.
1: Yeah. And again, it's, it's an organization that I started myself and, and some friends of mine that again, we just wanted to come and get together again, like, like the Avengers and just use our impact in, in the different impacts that we had to come to make it together to make a bigger impact. So we have been blessed to do things like give away free backpacks and haircuts to kids before they go to school. Uh, We've given away gift certificates to some of the big box stores um, during the Christmas season, just to make it a little bit easier for some families who are in need. Uh, We've given, um, Uh, some money to to kids uh, who are just getting ready to go to school as well. And then we've also been able to partner with one of the really major uh, department stores or big box stores. Uh, And, and, you know, they give us some of their donations and we're able to use that again to impact the community. So that's just a few of the things that we've been doing with the organization Brothers from the Six.
0: Wow. No, I appreciate that because you just gave me some context because I didn't realize that the organization is the publishing Behind the books,
1: so so the so the children's book is called Brothers from the Six. Right. I spelled properly, so our, our children who are reading it, they're not going to get confused. Okay, and then the uh, the nonprofit is Brothers, B R O T H A S. Okay, uh, from the Six, yes. Okay. and so yeah, again, we just you know have great opportunities to help the community. When the last things that we did was <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when the last things we did was collect books written by Black authors or that are about black individuals and we've donated them to the Toronto East Detention Center jail because there's a high population of black inmates and they're not getting um, information in there that is helpful to them. You know, no disrespect to the Harry Potters or the John Girksham <laughs> books that they have in there, yeah, yeah. but they don't have books in there that reflect them. Yeah. And so we made an all call to the city of Toronto, to to you know, to the, the residents, black residents of Toronto, and said, hey, we are looking to collect books from you to to donate to these guys, and so so far we've collected over seven hundred books, and we're looking to get at least three hundred more. We're trying to hit a thousand to donate to that specific uh, location, and then from there we're going to see if we can expand to some other some of the other jails as well.
0: Man, if you're listening, you got some books that you need to reach more people, especially people that would benefit from it. Please hit up Jeff, um, give him all the information, and take it from there because I think that's a great opportunity. Oh, man, that's incredible work, too, by the way. Um, Thank you. Keep it up. That's, whew. Because I've, I've worked in a group home before, you know, with group home, um, kids that have gone through the system and whatnot, uh, facilitating. And, boy, it's it's an uphill battle for them, too, right? And and having to go from home to home. And some of them are coming out of detention centers and going into homes. And the transitions are never, you know, clear cut. It's not smooth. It's yes. not It's not easy. And so... Having some of the services that you guys are providing helps a great deal because I've I've met kids who didn't have book bags and and, yes. you know, are told to go to school and sit in front of a teacher with nothing.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know. And it, it's difficult for them to do. Right. It's difficult. And so when you don't have the resources, it, it makes it so tough. Again, when you don't see yourself in someone or in a certain position, then it's tough to see yourself doing it. That's right. But that's why reading is so important. And that's why we do this for the guys in prison, because I want them to, to be able to come out to say, I'm coming out as an investor. I'm right. coming out as an entrepreneur. I'm coming out to finish my education because of what I learned in the books that were donated. You know, when you read information changes situations and, you know, the, the right book can make someone who's poor to someone who's rich, someone who's, who's unhealthy into someone who's healthy, you know, it can really change the game. And so that's what we're trying to do with some of these guys. So they come out being productive instead of, um, coming out and end up going back into the system.
0: That's it. Now that's, that kind of segues it for me perfectly because I listened to another one of your uh, podcasts and, um, you were talking about mastery, right? I think it was a master what you love. And so in there is a lot of gems. I really enjoyed it. Um, how important is it to master one's craft?
1: So I believe that all of us are born with gifts. We're born with something that we are extremely good at. You you are better than most people around you. You're better than your friends in these areas. And I think that when you find out what that is, then you chase it. And when you chase it, you become extremely good at it. Again, I recognize that I am a good public speaker. And am I the best? But by no means, no, am I. I I am. However, you know, I recognize that I'm better than most people around me. And so I decided to pursue it. And when I pursue it, I'm not just going after it as, you know, this is something I really like. I'm pursuing it with everything in my being. I'm always thinking about it. I'm in the shower. I'm talking to myself. My wife laughs at me. I'm driving. (laughs) I'm driving on the road. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I'm going through stories. You might think that I'm on, you know, I'm on speakerphone. Yeah. Um, I'm working on my craft because I want to become one of the best. Right. And so, when you find something you love and you really work at it, you master it. Then, you know, again, the money can come in, the opportunities come in. You know, you changing people's lives that can come in and it's not about just public speaking. You can be a chef. You can be, you know, whatever it is you are, master what it is, um, be the best at it, you know, put time and effort into it. Don't just go halfway, go all the way in and really work on it and become the best at it. And you can see how the benefits will come to you, how you'll reap the benefits based on you putting the time and effort in.
0: Look at that. And I think, I think there are so many other benefits that people don't even recognize when they you know, tap into that area where they're mastering something and they're so focused, that's self-confidence and self-awareness. Yes. You know, yes. It, it's so much difficult for outside forces or influences to come in and disrupt that once you have that, you tapped into that space. So I think it's it's really critical that you you stress that, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I had a chance there some years ago to work with, uh, work with, the M, with M, sorry, work in the NBA with the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, every player who plays in the NBA is good because they, for them to even be in the NBA, they made the draft they, you know, they, they, they got onto the team. That means they played very well in college or in high school. They were probably their top players in those, in those areas. Right. But the difference between good and great is what you put into it. We know players like Kobe Bryant, like LeBron James, like those guys are great because of the time and effort they put in. Yeah, you know Kobe was a guy. And I have a million Kobe stories, but Kobe was a guy who on draft night when he got drafted initially to the Charlotte Hornets before he being traded to the Lakers on draft night when every other player who got drafted went to go party, Kobe went and found the gym and he practiced to like two or three in the morning. That's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. That is mastery. Yeah. That is mastery. Early on in Kobe's career, when he came to Toronto to play the Raptors, the team was supposed to be uh, at the time at, at Skydome, which is now what um, Rogers Center. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you know, when it was Skydome, the, the team was supposed to be there, I think a seven 30 game. So the team was supposed to be there for five 30 to kind of warm up stretch and stuff like that. Kobe was there at 12 noon. And a a friend of mine who was a ball boy at the time walked in because Kobe got there even before he did. And he walked in, my friend Andre, and he's like, you know, Kobe, you, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just getting a workout in. And Kobe was hitting shots and, you know, grabbing his own rebounds and sweating up a storm. And Andre was like, Kobe, you know you have a game tonight, right? And he's like, yeah, I know that. And so Kobe worked, 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 right? That was 12 noon. And then Kobe again came back at 530 with the rest of the team and put in more work. And of course, he lit us up that night for like thirty <laughs> to forty. Who knows what it was? But again, that's the difference, right? Like it's 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 not just about your ability. Yes. It's about mentality. That's the it. mentality, right? We have a guys have abilities all the time. There's great basketball, good basketball players. But what makes them great is the mentality. Is saying to themselves like, "I need to take this to another level," that's and true. that's what mastery is.
0: Man, I heard I heard somebody say a talent. Your talent will open a door for you, but to get through what's behind that door, it's got to be your work ethic, you know. And, oh yeah, right. So it's so true, man. A lot of young people. I hope you guys can take heed to this. Um, you know, you, you love Kobe. I love him. I love them. You know what I mean. But you didn't know what he went through, what he put in to get right. where he's at, and why you celebrate him.
1: Yeah. 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 It's funny because, you know, I've never seen Wilt Chamberlain play a game. Right. I'm not that old. Right. I've never seen Oscar Robertson play a game. But we speak about these guys as great players. Right. And it's the same thing. Your children's children will speak about Kobe Bryant. They'll speak about LeBron James. They'll speak about Michael Jordan because these guys put in the work. They put in the effort when everybody else had gone home and, and relaxing on vacation. Actually, you know what? That leads me to another story. So in in, in 2000, in 2001, a friend of mine was playing um, in the NBA and he had to go back home to L.A. where he's from. And while he was in L.A. during the the offseason and the Lakers just came off of a win during the offseason, every time he went to the Staples Center to work out, Kobe was in the gym during the summer. And again, they just won a championship. Right. So he he had a chance to, to relax, but he didn't. And it's the summer when all the players are taking it easy. And yeah. again, he wasn't relaxing. He was in the gym because he recognized we just won a championship, but we can do it again. Right. And lo and behold, the same, the next year, they won a second one, a back-to-back. Look at that. Look at that. So it's, 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 the, it's not the ability, it's the mentality.
0: That's it. That's it. Now, you, may, you alluded to it earlier about the impacts of the pandemic and how, you know, it kind of changed the landscape for motivational speaking. Um, What were some of the adjustments that you had to make?
1: Oh yeah, so now everything is online. Um, In 2021, I've given two in no one in person speech. One was late last year. One was this year. All the rest, like I said, it's been it's been over a hundred. All the rest have been virtual. My computer is worn out. You know, the <laughs> Zoom calls and the, yeah. the Google Meets and, and MS Teams, and, you know, this is on a platform I haven't worked on. Right. Um, but the difficulty with that is, you know, are you are you really um, hitting home with the audience? Right. When I when I speak in person, I can see the emotion. I can That's see right. the eyes turning red. I can see the tears starting to well up in their eyes. Yes. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go deeper. like. I want to see some emotion pull out of this person. Right. But virtual, you know, it's more of an imaginary thing. Like, okay, I know here when I hit, usually in person, this hits hard. So Let's go hard here. You know, I'm I'm imagining that somebody on the other side is hearing it. And so for me, you know, that that can be difficult because I love to play off the emotion. However, again, because I know the importance of sharing my message, regardless if I can see it or not, I imagine there's somebody on the other side who needs to hear it. And so I go hard because they need to hear it that way. And so that's been a hard adjustment because you just don't know if it's really hitting, you you know, you drop a joke, you know, is, is it going to hit them the way it would in person? If it's in person, it doesn't hit, then you keep it moving. Right. But right. if you're know, online, you drop it and you nobody's laughing. You don't know because you can't see them. And so, you know, it's been an adjustment. But at the end of the day, it's necessary, especially now. It's been a heavy you know, two years, it's people need the love. Now they need love. They need embracing. They need the motivation. And so it's, it's necessary now more than ever.
0: Wow. Now I've been waiting, waiting for this opportunity to ask you about this. How was that experience like when you met Barack? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: it was absolutely. Well, let me tell you this way. So I, I got a chance to meet him when he came to Toronto. There was an event that was happening and so based on the book new me, uh, somebody who was putting the the event on heard about the book um, came to our book launch and said, we want to give you guys a gift. We want to give you guys an opportunity to come to the Barack Obama event. And I was like, what? So I was taken back. I was you know thought that was amazing. And so the t- the table that we were sitting at, if you imagine at a wedding reception, yes. you have the parents' tables, usually right up front by the brides' and grooms' table. Yeah, That's the table we were sitting at. No way! <laughs> yeah, we were right in front. Like, the table beside us had uh, the prime minister and his wife. They were wow. sitting, like, literally, like, I could have tapped him on the shoulder, hit, tapped her on the shoulder. Yeah. And so that's where we were sitting. But if that wasn't crazy enough, when I go and there's, there's, I don't know, 30,000 people who show up to this event, when I go to get my wristband, I get a different wristband than everybody else. And they say, your wristband allows you to go meet him. And I said, say what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you get a chance to meet him. We want to thank you for writing the book. We want to thank you for, for um, spearheading the book. And just as a token of our appreciation of trying to make a difference in our community, we want to give you this gift. So I am so taken back. Um, The the other authors were all there. My wife was there and everyone was was like, you got to get him a copy of the book. And I'm like, there's no way, guys. I'm like, yeah, you got to get him a copy. So I take a copy of the book. I autograph it. You know, thank you so much, you know, um, Barack Obama, Mr. Obama for what you've done for us. You know, something along those lines. Yeah. And so I'm standing in this line. We're in this this room. Obviously it's a very private room. There's secret services everywhere. Um <laughs> there's about fifty of us in this room. So there's about thirty thousand people at the event. There's about fifty people in the room. Wow. And um I have this book in my hand. And as we get about halfway in the line, there's a table, and the Secret Service says, empty your pockets. You can't have a phone, you can't have a wallet, you can't have anything. They will take the picture for us and have it sent to us. So you can't take a selfie um, for obviously you know, security yeah, purposes. Yeah. And so we empty our pockets and I have the book in my hand. I'm like, I asked one of the guys, I said, can I get this book to him? And they said, no. And then I said, can I hold the book maybe and take a picture with this book in my hand? And the guy was like, hmm. And then he asked another couple of guys, and they're like, sure. So I'm like, wow. So I have an opportunity now to stand beside Barack Obama with a book in my hand. Like, wow. you know, and I'm like, this is amazing. And so I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I turn the corner where he is. So now I can physically see him. Mm-hmm. There's like two there's maybe two people before me, and I can see him. I'm getting so excited. The person in front of me goes to shake his hand. So now I'm like, 10 seconds, 20 seconds away from actually meeting him. And just as it's my turn and I step towards meeting him, the Secret Service, who's beside him, sees the book in my hand and snatches it from me. Oh and my God. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So here I am, like, I'm trying to tell him, like, no, 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 your other guy, tra- your other guy said it was yeah. Like, I'm trying to explain it, and Barack is looking at me like, bro, are you coming or not? You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, and And I'm probably the only guy in history who steps to Barack Obama depressed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, I'm, like, so depressed. I'm like, bro, if you only knew there's a book outside against you, if you only knew. You know what I mean? And I'm saying all that in my mind, but the only thing com- coming out is, like, how you doing? Yeah. You know, What's your name? I'm like my name is chef sir thank you so much for you know and he's like oh let's take a picture i'm like yeah let's do that wow. and uh we take a picture and uh the moment's over and so you know I, I i'm like oh this is horrible and then one of the publicists or somebody who was there you know i say hey is it possible to give this book to his people and she's like yeah absolutely and so I gave the book to her. It vanishes behind the, the doors. And, and, you know, at that point, you know, I don't know what else happened. I don't yeah. know if the book ended up in the trash. I don't know if the book went back right. with him on his airplane. <laughs> I'm hoping one day that he tweets about it. You know what I'm saying? About yeah. being his favorite book. We'll oh. see what happens one day. But, yeah, that's the story of me meeting um, Mr. <laughs> 44 himself, Barack Obama. That is classic.
0: <laughs> Hilarious, man. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> wow, that's a book in itself right there. that <laughs> It is, it is. Last minute. My man just snatched it. <laughs> wow. That's a great story, man. That's awesome. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a perfect time. So it segues into a little segment that I have called Um Thinking Out Loud. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have a, a random question. It's more like a would you rather question. And okay. Off the cuff, just give me your response and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll bounce it back and forth for a bit and see how that goes. And then uh, we'll continue. We just have a, a small bit and then we'll just push through that. Now, thinking out loud. So would you rather go back to elementary school or jump straight to retirement? Uh, man, if
1: I, <laughs> I don't want to choose any of that. <laughs> But if I had to choose, I would say going back to elementary school. And I say that just because I don't want to jump to retirement because I'm having such a great time right now. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not having tough times. We all do as human beings. But the the, the journey I'm on right now is is amazing. I'm so blessed and thankful to be to be doing the things I'm doing, including, you know, meeting great people like yourself. I oh, um, appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's for real. Um, but I would say jumping back to elementary, it's you know, so long as I could take my thinking that I have now, <laughs> then I, I think I think I'd be a millionaire by fifteen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> I think by, I think by fifteen I'd be a millionaire. So yeah, I think we
0: definitely be different in some ways. Oh, that's awesome, man. Mm-mm. So as I was snooping around in your website and everything else that was popping up on Google. Um, I came across a piece that was talking about your personal coach. Yes. Walk me through that. And how how do you, are you a licensed personal coach? Is that something that you need to be licensed for? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So again, just on my journey of speaking to people, there's a lot of people that really want to go deeper because of the way I share my stories. You know, it really does open up um, some, some, some areas in people's lives that they don't want to open up. In. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm able to go deep with my stories and share my own vulnerability, people are forced to face things that they don't want to face. And so sometimes the conversation goes deeper, quite a bit. It goes deeper after the talk, after the, the presentation. And they want to, you know, kind of kick it on the phone and, and have a, a talk and, and asking if I can help them to get through some of their difficult circumstances. And that's how the coaching piece began. That allows me now to really sit with them and help them through uh, some of the things they're going through. Uh, am I, sorry, do you have to be a certified coach? No, um, it's through my own life skills. Again, 16 years of policing, years and years of mentoring, the things that I have been through, the stories I'm able to share, how I share the vulnerability. It's through those things, again, having the key to somebody else's lock. I use my key now to open other people's locks, uh, And so I do that, again, through one-on-one coaching, helping people to find clarity in their life, to get them on the path they know they should be on. You know, by no means am I a doctor. I'm not a therapist. You know, I, there's nothing I can do in that area. You got to get the, the, the proper help you need. But if you get that help and then now you need guidance to get your life on track, someone to kick you in the butt, then I'm your guy.
0: Uh, so how do you, how do you tailor the experience to each individual say, I wanted to be like, I reached out to you and I needed that service. Um, first of all, what am I expecting from you? What should I expect from you? And, and how do you tailor it to each individual?
1: Yeah. So what I do is I start with, um, A conversation of who you are. I want to know everything about you, where you grew up. Do you have a relationship with your parents? Are you married? Are you divorced? Do you have children? Where do you work? Do you like your job? I want to know all of that stuff because it gives me an opportunity to understand where you are and why you want to change in your life. And so, you know, even before me asking you, what is the problem that you're dealing with? I start to decipher, okay, they're looking to make more money or they're looking to get back on track with their goals, or they need someone to be be accountable to. It gives me an opportunity to really kind of decipher the issue that they're going through. And then when I do hear the issue that they're going through, now I can kind of um, really work towards helping them to get to that goal that they want for themselves.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Man. So, Jeff, we're coming to the end of the show, but... A few things I want to get through um, before we wrap things up. Is there a statement that you can kind of leave with the listeners um, as they kind of navigate the world and on their journey? Any message, one message or two that you want to leave them with um, so that they can get through the days ahead?
1: Yeah. So if I can leave actually three, three questions. Go for it. There's three questions that I ask myself every single day on the days that I'm super confident and the days that I'm not confident at all. I always encourage and the people that I coach as well. I ask them to ask, I ask them to ask themselves these questions. The three questions are: who am I? What do I want? And what's my purpose? Who am I? What do I want? And what's my purpose? The first one, who am I? We live in a world where people want to tell you who you are. Because you work in a bank, people want to call you a banker and they they judge you as a banker. You're a, a firefighter, they judge you as a firefighter. But I don't want to know who people think you are. I want to know who am I? Like, who are you? You get a chance to define who you are. Not what the world says about you, but who you are. The second one, what do I want? What is it that you want in life? While you are here, while your heart's beating, while you are, you know, sitting on on this planet, what is it that you want? Do you want a family? Do you want children? Do you want a better job? Like, what is it? You get a chance to decipher what it is you want. And the last one is, what is my purpose? I believe that all of us are here for a purpose. I don't believe any one of us are here by accident. I think there's a reason why we are experiencing COVID-19 right now in 2021. I think there's a reason why I was not born in 1784 or born in 3092. You know, There's a reason why I was born whenever I was born and why I'm the age I'm at now to experience life now. I believe that I'm here for a purpose to do something. And I think we're all here for a purpose. And when we can ask ourselves that question, it helps us to clarify or get an understanding of why we are here and try to fulfill that. And when we can ask ourselves those questions every single day, some days the answer is going to change. Some days the answer is going to change, going to stay the same. As you get older, your answers will, again, adjust or mature But I think if you ask yourself this every day, it brings you clarity on who you are and helps to raise your esteem and your understanding and awareness to make this world better and to make yourself
0: better. Man. Now, I'm going to have this information on the description of the episode, but I want you to let our listeners know how they can reach you, um, where they can get your content and how they can continue this conversation with you.
1: Yeah, simply Google me, Jeff AD Martin. Google me, Jeff AD Martin. I am the only Jeff AD Martin. There's a couple of Jeff Martins out there, but I'm the only Jeff AD <laughs> Martin um, that I that I know of um, that's on Google. So yeah, Google me, and you'll find my website. You'll find my Instagram, where I spend a lot of time. You'll find you know the other the other um, areas I'm at too: YouTube, uh, Twitter, and such. Jeff AD Martin.
0: Perfect, man. I want to thank you for taking the time out and blessing us with this conversation today. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in every week. Um, I want you for the listeners. I want you to not just like this episode. I need you to share it. And I also need you to go on IG, wherever Jeff is at, and I need you to tap in because there's a lot I couldn't get into on this episode. And I'm going to get him back if if he, you know, when his schedule frees up and things like that. And whenever I can get him, I'll definitely get him back on for another episode because there's a ton that this gentleman is doing, this brother's doing that we all need to be um, aware of. And so I want you guys to just... Not just like it and and forget it. I need you to share it. If you like it, great. Share it, though. Don't be selfish. Don't keep it to yourself. (laughs) Get it out there. Um, With that said, Jeff, I want to thank you again uh, for taking the time out. Um, Until next time, love, peace, and nappiness.